this uh, IIMK uh, alumni webinar on uh, making careers in venture capital. I'll pause for the next 10 seconds so that, uh, you know, uh, the ones who are still joining, uh, you know, can join in and then, uh, you know, we'll go ahead. So hi everyone, uh, you know, welcome, welcome to this webinar where we're going to talk about, you know, careers in uh, venture capital. Now, uh, venture capital, uh, you know, of course, not just in India, but the world over, you know, is considered a very interesting, fulfilling and elite career. And, uh, you know, obviously for the right reasons, you know, on one hand, uh, you know, it helps you uh, hone, utilize and dig into your polymath skills, right? You need to understand, you know, how industries are shaping up. You need to understand business models really, really well. You need to be uh, good with numbers. Uh, you need to have uh, excellent people skills. You know, you need to be authentic. You need to be well networked to become a good VC. And at the same time, uh, it's 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 been considered a very very fulfilling profession in more ways than one. Uh, you know, the most important being that uh, you know you get uh, to run shoulder to shoulder with uh, you know founders who are trying to change the world. Uh, very, very early on, uh, you know, in their uh, uh, respective journeys and see, you know, as, uh, you know, they become large world beating companies. And at the same time, you know, there's a little pot of gold, you know, to be made along the way, you know, which obviously uh, doesn't hurt, uh, which means that, you know, it's a career, uh, you know, that's worth uh, doing justice to in front of, uh, you know, people who are currently studying in business schools or, uh, you know, those who are a couple of years out of business schools and they believe that, you know, it can be an interesting career path for them. And for that, uh, you know, we thought we'll bring this little talk together. Uh, uh, my name is Kashyap Chanchani. I am the founder and managing partner of uh, the Rainmaker Group, uh, which is among India's top three investment banks when it comes to helping venture-backed companies raise growth equity, which obviously means that, you know, I've had the good fortune of, or privilege of uh, working with uh, some of the best and the brightest minds, you know, in the VC world uh, across India as well as, uh, you know, some of the elite founders that they've backed, uh, you know, who've generated value anywhere between, you know, a few hundred million dollars to close to a billion dollars. Uh, now, uh, venture capital in India over a period of time has really matured. Uh, you know, 10 years back, if you saw, uh, you know, venture capital industry would be limited to, say, you know, anywhere between half a dozen to 10 odd funds, which would be investing in similar companies at similar stages. But Today, uh, you know, uh, it comes, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, different shapes and sizes. You know, you've got a slew of angel investors, uh, you know, hundreds of them, in fact, who are doing very, very well. Uh, you know, there are classic VC funds who invest anywhere between a couple of million dollars all the way to, you know, tens of million dollars. Uh, there are family offices who are a part of this uh, ecosystem. There are funds, you know, which specialize, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, different pockets of venture capital, those that want to invest only in consumer companies, those who only want to invest in uh, very, very high tech businesses, those who want to follow, you know, uh, only a narrow thesis. Uh, you know, to uh, decode it all, uh, you know, uh, we've got a fairly uh, uh, interesting panel here. Uh, we have Shiba Demelo. Shiba uh, has worked with uh, two VCs in the past, uh, and uh, currently, uh, you know, she manages uh, a family offices uh, where you know she invests alongside VCs and she invests into VCs. Uh, we also have Revant, you know, who uh, used to be an early stage VC with K Start. He used to head K Start. And, uh, you know, uh, he's moved from, uh, you know, the dark side to the light side now. He's a early stage consumer founder. And, uh, you know, we've got Sarvesh, 
who is a uh, you know classic uh, you know early stage vc professional and a senior one at that with omedyar network you know which is probably the most uh, reputed impact investor in india today and how we'll structure our discussion today is uh, you know we'll try and address you know a, every uh, facet of you know what a career in venture capital in india really means you know we'd start with uh, you know what does it take to get into the venture capital industry we'd uh, you know move on to see uh, you know what is a typical work day or a work week like uh, you know in the vc industry uh, you know as you move up the food chain what does it mean when you're an analyst or an associate what does it mean when you're a principal or a director or a vp and what does it mean when you're a partner uh, we'd also talk about you know uh, what are the highs and lows you know that come with working in this industry we talk about you know what are the potential exit options uh, you know if you want to be uh, you know daring and adventurous like revant uh, we'd also talk about uh, you know how the vc industries india in india's evolved over a period of time and what is the near term future of uh, the industry look like uh, so uh, you know with this agenda and without uh, much ado uh, let's move to uh, each of our panelists with my first question so my first question to each of the panelists starting with shiba is uh, shiba uh, you know how did you get into uh, venture capital industry obviously you know it's an industry that's very very hard to get into you know every year the analyst class would be anywhere between you know 15 to 20 odd people and you know most of these positions would be taken by you know people who are ex founders or ex consultants right so uh, for people you know who don't fall into some of these buckets uh, you know we just have uh, say you know half a dozen people uh, you know who got a potential to enter this industry so uh, you know how did you get into this industry what are the skill sets that you built along the way which really helped you get into this industry and what's your career path been till now Sure. Um, so when I joined the industry, it looked very different, actually. Right? I joined in 2011, uh, and there were very few VCs at that time. It wasn't uh, I, even the concept of entrepreneurship was not as well known. Um, so my career path may not actually be relevant to a lot of people because also I took a slightly unconventional route. Uh, but I will go through it in case in case someone it might help someone. Uh, so I was working at uh, Nomura in uh, in Bombay. I was working in uh, research uh, there, and uh, I wanted to move into VC mostly because I've really been fascinated by entre entrepreneurs and the whole process of starting up. But personally, I don't have the guts to do that myself, and so I thought I'll um, I. And so the whole role of a VC seemed very interesting. Um, so the way I started uh, was, of course, doing my research. Found out more about what firms are operating in India, where they are based out of, and all of that. And I just basically sent out a cold email to all of them, uh, wherever I could find their uh, details, uh, giving my profile, talking about why I wanted to apply, and all of that. And as luck would have it, uh, the the firm I joined eventually, IDG Ventures. was looking for someone who could do research on the industry because the uh, the whole space was so new at that time there wasn't much formal research done on how how the indian vc ecosystem was working what kind of exits people were seeing what kind of investments had happened all of that so uh, that way my skill set matched what the firm needed at that point uh, so what when i joined i actually didn't join um, as part of the investments team but uh, once i did i 
good i got a great opportunity to learn pick up those skills also the uh, the actual uh, skills of deal sourcing deal, deal evaluation which is very different from public markets which i was I had been dealing with till then and uh, eventually i made that transition within the firm into the uh, investment uh, division as well so yeah it's i uh, again you know that's that's a very different way that's not how people usually join a vc firm but that's that's what worked for me sure so so for you she uh, so for you shiba uh, you know the primary motivation of uh, you know getting into vc was you know living the entrepreneurial dream you know you know in a vicarious <laughs> like seriously, way yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, you know uh, for your for your prospective employer there uh, you know they were trying to bridge uh, you know the information asymmetry gap right yes, or the access yeah. asymmetry gap right i mean which is which 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 makes you know the venture capital industry so different right from mm, uh, you know yeah. the asset other asset managers uh, you know that's a very interesting point of you shiva thank you so much uh sarvesh uh, uh, you know how about how about your journey because you had a very very uh, you know different uh, journey coming into venture capital as compared to shiva so you know would love to uh, you know hear about that from you yeah thanks uh, thanks kashyap so for me it was uh, it was a lot of uh, sort of uh, you know different steps that uh, you know led to it it was not something that i had uh, you know planned right uh and i'll tell you how this sort of happened so i mean one i i wanted to do mba because you know i had spent all my uh, life until graduation in calcutta and that was honestly a way for me to uh, you know get out of calcutta and probably have two years outside uh before i would go back and and start a business right and that was really the outlook uh mba was really uh, you know just uh, a sort of mid path to starting something of my own because that was the idea that was sort of studying uh when you you know get into a college then you realize that there are a lot of different avenues which are also available which you're not aware uh, right uh you know probably before that uh and so one thing led to another i took a job in, in jp morgan uh, from campus i joined the investment banking research team uh the idea always was you know i'd work for two years and then you know go back to calcutta and start a business of my own or join my family business uh and then one year into the uh into the role i was offered uh a position in the principal investments team at, uh, at JP Morgan uh, and that uh, you know that sounded sort of quite fascinating uh, you know we used to write large ticket checks uh, you know large uh, large fund size from that perspective so everything was good uh, and so i ended up uh, ended up joining that team and was quite fortunate to actually you know have been sort of picked for that right uh, and then you know when i started doing i realized that that was something that i was actually enjoying uh, i mean in some sense as we were just talking it is a lot closer to entrepreneurial uh you know journey that you know one might think of right and because you end up working with entrepreneurs you end up sort of supporting them uh and so from there on we <clears> managed <throat> another you know good stage uh, capital fund uh and was there for some time and really what led uh, you know to sort of thinking about bc at that point in time was uh, because we were sort of coming in at growth stage both at jp morgan and at banking our uh, companies were sort of quite established by then and you know you could help them on you know sort of strategic issues but uh, really a lot of things had been figured out and and your role was more of a capital provider uh, you know rather than sort of building the venture right uh, and which is why then uh, you know there was an interesting vc because uh, for me it was important to be part of that journey uh, right from the beginning both from a learning perspective as well as from a contribution perspective uh, and that's where i started uh, you know looking out for vc roles and then ended up joining uh, when excellent excellent uh, no sarvesh uh, you know thank you so much for uh, you know summing up your journey into venture capital now uh, revan uh, i know for a fact has had a very very interesting career uh, you know uh, so uh, and i've known him for a very very long time 
So Revanth, of course, you know, started as a wholesale banker, moved on to become an investment banker, moved on to a uh, you know operating role in a high growth startup, moved on to become a VC, and uh, now a founder. Uh, Revanth, you know, if you'd be kind enough to shed some light on you know how this entire journey panned out, and uh, you know what really prompted you, uh, you know, to get into venture capital. Sure. Uh... What what Kashyap is kind enough not to mention is he was the reason why a couple of these things happened. Uh, so for those who don't know, Kashyap uh, used to be at uh, Yes Bank when I was at Yes Bank. He was the one who moved to uh, investment banking and then thought that uh, I could do that as well. So there was one fine day when I got a call from Kashyap uh, to say that we want to explore investment banking. And when a senior asks you that, you generally don't say no. Uh, and I think that's how I ended up in IB. I think the decision to do early stage operating was more to learn. Uh, like everyone said, uh, early stage entrepreneurship is something that really excites a lot of us. Uh, people end up wanting to be part of that ecosystem in different ways. I really wanted to learn by doing operating rather than advising, which I was doing till the past four years. And then uh, serendipitously again, uh, when Kalari was looking for an ex-operator slash entrepreneur to run their seed fund. Uh, Kashyap was the one who actually introduced me uh, to the fund. And, you know, the biggest realization for me, of course, it was it was a very exciting role. Uh, after five years in operating, uh, you really, it's, it's very, very hard to get into a venture capital role later in your career. Most firms uh, recruit at an analyst associate position early. And then usually it's only folks who have been around in the firm for a long time who rise up uh, to sort of uh, run the fund together, right? Because it's a it's a it's a very clear role where apprenticeship is, is at the core. Every fund has their own thesis; they operate in a different way, and it's very rare that somebody gets in a little later in their career. For me, what really worked was, uh, as I said, there was a very strong reference from a reputed investment banker like Kashyap. Uh, and there were very strong references from my board members as to my capabilities to, uh, you know, do some exciting things. So the the broad, see, it's very hard to define the exact skill set you need to be a good VC. But if you are a, a well-referenced person in the end, that also helps a lot. So it was a little serendipitous. Uh, it was a very exciting role. Not often do you get, and in fact, the board member, uh, even though I was a, a CXO in a large growth, a high-growing high startup, uh, you know, one of the board members who's been a venture capitalist for about 15 years, very well respected, told me that in the end, you know, we would hate to see you go. But the fact is that it's very rare to get an opportunity to enter VC at this stage in your career. So it would be unwise of me to say no, right? And it was a, it was a very objective evaluation of the situation. So it was a chance that I had to take up. Uh, and I had a, and a great couple of years before I realized what I really, really wanted to do for the next 10 years is something which was built on my own. So that's the rough journey that I had. Great. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the key learning from all of this, you know, for the young people, you know, who are, uh, you know, watching us uh, speak today is that A, uh, you know, always try very, very hard, you know, never, never, never underestimate your ability because, you know, people at the other end of the table, are also, you know, dying for, uh, you know, great talent. So A, never underestimate your talent. And B, make sure that, uh, you know, you leverage every single, uh, uh, every single resource, uh, you know, that you can use, uh, you know, to access, 
uh, people who matter. So in fact, you know, uh, Rohit, who unfortunately couldn't join us today, I mean, you know, he has had a very, very similar story. He said that, you know, he wanted to move from banking to investing or in fact, you know, uh, some other employer. And he probably tried with, you know, 100 or 150 prospective employers. And, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, got into venture capital more by chance, uh, you know, than by design. But the fact that, you know, he really, really tried, uh, you know, made all the difference. Uh, you know, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your respective uh, uh, journeys, guys. Now, uh, you know, when it comes to giving, uh, you know, generic advice, you know, to our audience today, uh, you know, as to, you know, how they get, can potentially get into venture capital. Uh, see, what I've, uh, you know, kind of seen is that, uh, you know, uh, you can't, you know, in a classic way, prepare for a, uh, you know, career in VC, you know, it's something that happens to you by chance. And, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, you know, you built up a skill, uh, you know, uh, or a trait, you know, which is very, very important to, uh, you know, uh, the industry, and, you know, you've got a, a fairly solid generalist mindset is when you automatically, you know, become a candidate for VC. So, you know, some of the classic parts that, you know, I have seen uh, myself is, uh, you know, uh, people who've done their undergrad and have been founders for a couple of years, you know, they are really hot candidates, you know, to become venture capitalists because A, uh, you know, they they understand, you know, what it means to run a real business, you know, they're empathetic towards founders, uh, you know, uh, they understand, you know, how to evaluate business models and industries because, uh, you know, they've done it for themselves. Uh, you know, consultants, uh, you know, especially if you work for, uh, you know, Bain, BCG or McKinsey, you know, are, uh, you know, fairly natural candidates to, you know, get into venture capital. Uh, you know, I've seen operators, uh, you know, like Ravant, you know, especially if you work for a credible high uh, growth startup, you know, uh, they are potentially good candidates to get into VCs. Uh, product managers, again, you know, are, I've seen, you know, are great candidates to get into VC and to a, uh, you know, lesser extent, I've seen uh, bankers or cop dev guys, again, you know, getting into VC especially if you're looking at, uh, you know, later stage VC, where, uh, you know, evaluating numbers or getting up rounds for your portfolio companies becomes uh, all the more critical, right? So, you know, for all the young people who are watching us today, uh, you know, who are studying in a business school right now, who've just got into business school or a couple of years out of business school, uh, you know, what would be your short advice on, you know, what they can do, uh, you know, uh, to basically, you know, prepare uh, the skill sets or backdrop to potentially get into, uh, you know, uh, with the venture capital industry, even if it may not happen by design. Uh, I'd like to start with Shiba first. You're on mute, Shiba. Shiba, you're on mute. So, sorry about that. Yeah, so so on skill sets, right? So, um, so, so like uh, like like Ravent also mentioned, right? A lot of uh, people high, uh, usually join VCs at a earlier stage in their career, and uh, the the reason for this is also because VCs uh, know that this is an apprenticeship kind of a, a, a role. The most of the skills you need, you can only learn on the job, working with the seniors in your in the organization, uh, which is why that model is preferred a lot. But if you're on the outside and you're trying to uh, get to this industry one of the biggest skill sets of course would be a a large uh, um, kind of you know a network of people uh, in the ecosystem that is a very useful uh, uh, thing to have in this industry and that is also something that you know you can take to the employer someone 
um so the if you have a large network by auto, by uh, you know uh, by definition you will know the vcs or the vcs will have would have come across you in some case or the other so they will already know you by your reputation so that helps a lot before you even get to the interview and it gives you a lot more credibility um so so it's not like uh, i mean i just saw that question of you know how do you prepare for interviews and uh, all of that so ideally you should have something before you even go get to that interview stage because it's also very intensive you know people uh, people skills kind of a, a role uh, so so that is one thing i would say the network um, also um, uh, you know how uh, also of course definitely have a view on what is happening in the industry keep a track of it i mean most of this is a lot of news uh, papers of course cover uh, all the different deals that are happening and you should definitely do your your own research on this to understand what kind of deals are happening who are the different players in this industry uh, what are the different stages and have a view on what is why are these things happening um, because a lot of your role will involve trying to forecast the future which is a very difficult thing to do of course but uh, but you and you need to to prove that you can think through that analytically say that this is uh, you know uh internet uh, uh penetration is at this percentage now this is the next wave or you know th this is a trend we are seeing in the in the market therefore this thing will be big, big next these are things that you should know um before you get uh, you know get to that stage uh so so i would say these uh, are the two two main things you know for building a network and also uh, knowing future trends Great, uh, Savish. Uh, would you like to add something to what Chiba just said? Yeah, I think uh, you know you both have covered most of it. I think one, I'll just reiterate, uh, Kashyap, what you mentioned. Uh, there is no straight path to VC. I've, you know, you'll see many different people with uh, different kinds of experiences. So it's it's not like you do one thing and you know that will lead to VC. So I think that is one thing which is very important to know is. Uh, no matter what you end up doing you might never get into it or you know you might not even want you know want it intentionally but you might sort of get into it right i think one thing it's sort of useful to keep at the uh, you know back of your mind uh if, to add to what uh, you know shiva mentioned i would say you know in in addition to knowing i think it's important to also express that point of view uh, and you know there is a very sort of badly used term, uh, you know, they're called as thought leaders, right? I think, uh, you know, VCs uh, like to use that uh, term a lot. I, I think it's important, uh, you know, to sort of put out that point of view and make it, uh, you know, widely known as well. Uh, and I think that's how you'll probably create more inbound, uh, you know, requests for yourself as opposed to, uh, you know, converting any outbound, uh, you know, requests that you will make to a, to a VC. Uh, that's a very, very interesting point, Sarvesh, that, you know, I mean, build a personal brand, right? Build a personal brand yeah. so that, uh, you know, prospective employers, you know, including investors, you know, start taking an interest in you. Uh, you know, you've got something unique to offer to them, right? In terms of, uh, you know, how you think, uh, you know, how you prophesize, you know, businesses and industries will move tomorrow. That's a very interesting point. Uh, Revat, uh, would you like to add uh, something to what uh, Sarvesh has uh, and, and Shiba, uh, you know, just shared with us? So uh, I ha I have a little bit of a maybe I don't know if it's a contrarian view but maybe it's a it's a elucidation of what exactly Shiba mentioned right so this this term network this term thought leadership is a little little vague like I I see so many young folks going on LinkedIn and 
talking about their thought leadership, like giving an analysis and saying, what do you think, right? Uh, or this network is how many people do you really know? Uh, so I have this bad habit of, you know, asking people as to why they take a certain decision. So once I got into VC, I actually asked the question that what made you uh, take the decision, right? You know, that I'm good enough to actually come into venture capital 10 years after I've done, you know, a bunch of other things. Very clear, uh, what is the role of a venture capitalist, right? Half your role is to find great founders and convince them to take your money. It is contrary to what most people believe. Founders choose VCs and not the other way around. Uh, and if you have to find great founders, you need a network where founders are, and as I said, founders choose VCs, right? So you need to have a reputation within founders that you will be able to uh, really add value to their lives uh, because they'll need to scale a company, build great teams. But... Uh, it's your ability to find those founders and find those traits that uh, will really make uh, help them create large companies, right? And recognizing these traits of success is is a very big edge uh, uh, for any VC. So if your network sort of believes that you can have that you have that trait or you have the network to sort of learn those skills along the way, then it's really helpful. Uh, the second piece actually that really helps for uh, VCs to do well is their genuine empathy for entrepreneurs, right? Because it's a very, it's a very hard job to be an entrepreneur. Even if you're well-funded, every well-funded entrepreneur will also tell you 20 uh, different problems that they have in their lives, right? So to be really understanding of the difficulties they face and appreciate any progress that they make in their lives is very critical. Now, this... Obviously, and that's where, you know, being an ex-operator, ex-entrepreneur actually really helps because you've been through that journey. So specifically, when I asked this question, the clear response was that three very well-respected people in the industry, Kashyap, yourself, who spent 15 years in investment banking, two of my board members who have been career VCs, 15 years plus, very well-respected, actually believed that either I had this trait, like either founders respected me or I would gain the respect of founders because of the way uh, I am or what my network is, right? So if I have to articulate, forget all the parts, investment banking, private equity, you have been uh, an entrepreneur. If you can demonstrate that you have an ability for a founder to respect who you are uh, and what value you can add to an entrepreneur's life or sort of have that genuine empathy for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs believe that you are a person who's going to be kind and helpful along the way. I don't know how you showcase that. But whether it's thought leadership or your network, but those are the intrinsics that need to be seen by anyone who will want to hire you in their form. And I believe it's very hard to do that unless you are genuinely very good at what you do. People believe that you are good and you don't have to go on LinkedIn and say, I did. Like I see nowadays, oh, I got an admit from I am Koikode, SPG, and I am Indoor, I'm going to join I am Koikode. I'm so happy. Like, why do you need to say I got three offers? Just say you're getting in and you're happy, right? Like, what are you trying to really show? So I, I, I think fundamentally, it's easy to lose the plot in trying to showcase thought leadership or uh, your network. What genuinely helps is third-party references. In my life, I have never seen this as I've risen a little bit senior uh, in whatever position or as I've become an entrepreneur, I've realized everything is third-party references. One of our co-alumni and uh, Kashyap knows this, is very soon going to enter the venture capital private equity world. And the only reason he's uh, uh, getting in is because of very high value references that he's a genuinely good person. He can actually, and though he's not done investing ever in his life, right? 
he can be a great investor because of these traits that I just mentioned. Right. So you may be a. I mean, for all we know, a bootstrap entrepreneur for the last fifteen years, and your business may not have uh, gone anywhere. But if people believe that you are a well-respected individual and founders would love to work with you, and you can have a genuine empathy to really understand what they go through, you will. And that's what your network says. You don't exhibit that image uh, everywhere, right? It is a. It is something that your network says about you that this is a person that we like to work with, and that's most of your job. Great, Raven. Thank you so much for uh, you know uh, that sharp. Uh, and well distilled advice uh, you know I, i was hoping to you know get into more details in this you know as we talk about you know what does it take to make a great vc but uh, you know i didn't want to interrupt your flow of thoughts you know i i thought you know uh, 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 nobody could have summed it up better that you know eventually it's all about network and references and you know uh, those that are built in a genuine way you know uh, with a level of authenticity rather than you know from the perspective of you know building a network right uh, there are people who noticed your work or there are people you know who owe you one right are coming back to you know help you and uh, so to say you know i mean send the elevator down for you you know or uh, uh, you know uh, pay it forward you know as it's more co uh, commonly called in our industry and you know we talk a little bit more about it you know as we talk about the evolution of the industry and we talk about you know what does it take to make a great vc uh you know thank you so much uh, you know to all the three of you you know for giving this perspective uh now we move on to our next section uh, which is really about uh, uh, you know uh, letting our uh, young audience know on what is it uh, what is you know the day to day job uh, you know really entail uh, you know in a venture capital fund and uh, let's try and break it uh, you know into uh, broadly you know three buckets right i mean if you're an associate or an analyst what does it mean if you're a process mid level professional right a principal or a director or a vp you know what does it mean and uh, you know if you're a partner what does it mean you know uh, in broadly loose terms uh, so you know first let's talk about you know what is an analyst or an associate you know by and large you know does in a vc firm uh, starting with shiba sure so um, most analysts and associates work with one of the partners uh, one of the senior members in the team on uh, And and mostly assist them again, you know, for the reason which we mentioned before that you know you have to pick up the skills along your along the way. So uh, most of it will be uh, most of your work will be overseen by someone else. And uh, I would say that a lot of this, if I have to split it into the different uh, different kinds of functions, uh, firstly there'll be a lot of deal sourcing, uh, industry uh, analysis kind of work, which is mostly about. finding where are the new uh, deals coming from the more exciting deals um and it will be a lot of grunt work i mean you may have heard that you know for every 100 um companies that are evaluated only one one was actually invested in eventually so the analyst and associates job is to do that find those 100 so that the vc can invest in at least one so there's a lot of deal sourcing work which is mostly uh attending events uh, reading up on the news looking for uh, i mean within your network trying to find new uh, deals and also evaluating the incoming deals because uh, vcs are bombarded with a lot of cold emails and you're trying to sort sift through them as well so that is one uh another one is of course deal evaluation once you uh, you know come selected a few good uh, deals that you want to deal and 
deep uh, do a deep dive into evaluate that sector create uh, and again most of this is helping the partner of course create a thesis on uh, on that space maybe um the next stage uh, would be of course uh, uh, after the whole deal evaluation piece which is you know things like market analysis and all of that and also uh, speaking to the references of the founder that's also a big part of this and evaluating that company's financials and all of that that would come into under the deep dive then you move on to say you know term sheets negotiations documentation and the analyst and associate will probably have to do a lot of the grunt work there of actually going through the documents and making sure they're all uh, in place uh, and the the fourth piece would be once you've done with the investment uh, monitoring that company keeping in uh, in you know uh, uh, speaking to the founder uh, regularly making sure you know what's happening helping the founder wherever you can which is more of a case to case depends on what uh, what they need help with and mostly the partners uh, will will be able to do most of that but it's a great thing if associates and analysts can also do that to show that they are bringing actual value uh, here and and finally of course also to to enable exits so and uh, there again it's, it's more of a you know you know um, once you go along and uh, uh, maybe more once you've got more experience in the space that you can actually help them uh so so broadly speaking i would say it's it's the partners are the ones who are actually taking calls on what deals get done and how they are done and how and what are the next steps and the associates will have to do everything that they can to help achieve those goals great and uh, you know one of the peculiar things about uh, you know this industry you know especially when it comes to uh, you know younger professionals is that the errors of omission are much more hard to pardon rather than errors of commission right uh-huh. i mean if one or two of your companies don't work out well it's fine but you know if you missed out on a company that's gone out to become a unicorn in the next 3 years you're a dead duck right uh-huh. yeah that's that's true and uh, in fact uh, a lot of uh, firms again it, it's a lot of this is also firm to firm you know so i'm not going to say all firms but people do keep track of deal flow it's a big deal you know so people will know uh, will want to know that you know if nobody saw this deal why wasn't it you know why didn't it come to us or if he's yeah. passed so on a really fact, interesting deal why in fact you know That's i mean shiva you would have probably seen it you know in in a lot of fundraising decks for investors for vcs you know one of the key highlight is what is the percentage of the ecosystem deal flow they yeah. get to see right so yeah, eventually yeah. making that call but you know you can't yeah, yeah. miss out on a hot company you know you, you can't be in a position where you know you've not put that hot company in front of your partner and you know uh, also this has been i've seen you know uh, uh, one of the very very key factors of success uh, you know among people who uh, you know risen very very fast in the industry right that they uh, you know got their firm privileged access uh, you know into a hot deal and uh, you know that company went on i mean uh, whether it was hot or not you typically get to know you know only in retrospect but you know uh, when in retrospect that deal became really really hot you know it also you know your 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 career took off along with that yeah that's true and and i think something that people don't uh, realize of course uh, while joining the firm is how uh, inventive you have to be because uh, there is no there's no formula for this how do you find the next uh, startup hot company uh there is no pro, uh, you know proven okay. way to do it which is why yeah 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 you know that's and and of course do a lot of work try to see every company possible and all of that 
but uh, I, the harder you look and also how um, you know innovative you are how how much of hustle you have in in reaching out to all the uh, outliers also and and evaluating them and trying to find that little you know uh, some some spark somewhere is something that there's, there's no textbook for it and it really depends on you know sitting on mount sierra shipping uh, you know sipping champagne yeah. and you know hoping that you know yeah. the founder would you know line up yeah, to come yeah. and take you. Yeah, yeah, definitely not for associates, I'm sure. I think, uh, if I may, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry for disrupting the flow of your thought, but I just thought it was a very, very interesting uh, section. Uh, I think when I, I when I joined BCN, when I was in SEED, uh, I learned this in the first month itself. There was this very famous quote that you miss hundred uh, percent of the deals that you don't see. And if you see a deal and you pass on it, then it is fine. You are okay because at some point you did some evaluation to say that no, this is not the right company for us. Right? And that happens a lot of times. That is forgivable. But if you miss seeing a deal, as as Kashyap, you know, you rightly mentioned, it's it's unpardonable because technically it seems that you know you could have invested, etc. You will always. Be okay to the fact that at some at that point of time the company didn't really uh, like Flipkart was passed by I think every VC in the country, and uh, I, I I don't think anyone would know this here, but I'm sure Kashyap you know this. It was an associate in Flipkart who convinced the entire partnership to make that investment. Yeah, uh, it was, that was Abhishek at Axel. Uh, you know, it was Abhishek at Axel who sourced the deal yes. for them. Yeah, yeah, who sourced the deal. Who uh, and I think the partnership said that it's too early. We don't know selling books online, how big it's going to be. And it was that associate who put his neck on the line and said, if we don't do this deal, we're going to miss the best company ever. And in the end, so I would sort of disagree a little with Shiva that I think associates play a lot of, uh, yeah. uh, this play a significant role in either sourcing great founders mm -hmm. and then sort of, uh, if, if you are good at your job and if you put your neck on the line and you've done thorough analysis, uh, and I don't know what exactly Abhishek said that day to convince uh, everyone that Axel put that famous $700,000 for 26% of the company and you know the rest is history, right? They've, they've become the best performing fund in the country on the back of that deal. So I think associates can change the course of history. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I was and, saying associates don't have an easy life. That's all I was saying. <laughs> they, they definitely <laughs> have. The VCs are all dependent on me, yeah, associates, not to undermine them. I so, think we have the life, they lifeline of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so any, anybody who's even thinking of an analyst, and I hear this a lot, you know, that, oh, I joined McKinsey, but I'm a junior associate. The Harvard guy joined as an associate. I said, like, I just, like, to everyone out there who's looking to make a career, if you get into a great firm or you want to work for great people, everything else gets taken care of in the long run. The compounding effect of being in a in a different spiral of working with great people is just so immense that even if you get like I, I I had this I think Kashyap you had told me once that there was a possibility of a a lower designation at a at a very blue chip VC and you said what VPR associate because the compounding effect of working at that firm or for those people is going to take care of everything else in life. So I, I think any uh, entry point you get in, uh, specifically the reason VCs actually look higher for analysts and associates is, in my opinion, again, if you go back, it's an apprenticeship model. 
you can learn how to be a good VC along the way because there are a lot of consulting, ex-consulting, ex-bankers who get in who may not have the network with the entrepreneurs, right? But that's also a skill that you learn from your uh, peers, from your senior folks in, in the VC industry. Uh, and there have been a few questions, so I just want to quickly, most, if you see a lot of VC analysts and associates are ex-consulting. So you do graduation, you are, end up at a consulting firm and then end up as an analyst or post MBA, you may be at a consulting firm and then you join as an associate. I think one of the reasons, and everybody's asking that, why do consultants get the lion's share? I think it's their ability to be a generalist in the beginning, to sort of objectively evaluate every sector or industry uh, on its merits and really be a, have a very critical thought around what works, what is the business model that may work in this particular industry. And they're trained to think that way early in their lives because they are consultants. Uh, because in the end, as an analyst and associate at a consulting firm, you do the same, right? You, you get a four-week project. It's on a banking industry. You have to, in four weeks, figure out how banking works and give some value add to your, your, your client. Next project, you're on a power grid. You have no clue how a power grid works. Again, in four weeks, you'll deliver something. I think that context switching is really helpful because that's what, that's what will happen in a VC firm as well. Every day, like as you grow, senior will become a specialist. So today, Sarvesh would be a specialist in fintech and edtech, right? That's how he's built his career. But in the beginning, you need to have that ability to switch context very, very fast and understand the nuances of every industry, which consulting prepares you well for. Excellent. So, you know, being able to switch context is very, very important. And B, you know, one should, as an aspirant, one should always keep in mind that, uh, you know, uh, uh, venture capital is a business of, uh, it's a business of apprenticeship, right? Uh, you know, these tend to be very, very flat structures. Uh, so, you know, I mean, don't, don't get too phased by, you know, what is the designation that's being offered to you? Uh, that, uh, you know, brings me to my question to Sarvesh. Sarvesh, what do you think, uh, you know, typically, uh, you know, a mid to senior level professional, you know, typically a VP or a principal or a director, uh, you know, uh, do, uh, you know, in a venture capital firm? It's a, you know, it's a transition phase in some sense. And, you know, before I even get to that, I think one big learning, you know, for me has been that, uh, and that's something I think JP Morgan did quite well. Uh, you know, where uh, roles were sort of very clearly sort of segmented what an analyst would do, what probably lend itself more to a, a banking career than, let's say, a VC career. But what it helped people do was get a sense of what do I need to do to, you know, become an associate? What do I need to do to become a VP? Uh, and in some sense, it was important that even while you were an, an analyst, let's say you were demonstrating what an associate, uh, you know, is doing, right? And so it became like a non-sort of uh, negotiable or it wasn't a question as to why, uh, you know, you should be promoted. And I've, I think that framing has helped a lot, uh, you know, for me in my career is what is the next role that I'm, you know, gunning for? And I'm actually there yet. Right. Uh, even before I'm there, am I performing at that level? Uh, and at that point in time, it becomes a very different conversation, uh, you know, that you're sort of having with folks. Um, you know, sort of coming back to your question around, uh, you know, let's say at the at the mid sort of senior role, right? What does it look like? In some sense, it's a transition role, right? So you move from the, you know, the grunt work of, a, you know, an analyst associate to now, uh, you know, doing other other things that you might have not been able to do as an analyst and associate, right? I would say at a deal sourcing level now, and you know, the point that we've sort of been discussing is that how do you generate inbound uh, deals, right? Because I mean, in some sense, you have a team 
of an analyst associate that is doing uh, you know to some extent the outbound right and and you will sort of continue to do that but i think your responsibility here becomes uh, how do you generate that inbound interest from entrepreneurs right how do you create that uh, and you know we were speaking about it how do you create that personal brand in the industry uh, where people actually want to come and and work with you right and i think that to me defines uh, you know the success at this particular stage uh, you know where people are are coming to you and and you know asking for for advice for example right uh and uh, and obviously they are sort of at the end sort of pitching you uh but you know you become the you know the sort of source for them to today's sort of capital from right and i think that's very critical to establish at this stage because as as raven mentioned i think uh you know if you're looking to become a partner in your own fund or or join another fund as a partner i think that's what people will look for right is can you get those uh, get those deals so i think that how do you establish your personal brand uh which will i think both be a combination of what you've already done right uh and that i think makes a you know obviously makes a big big difference because people look at your existing investments how well they have they done uh right and and how well have you worked with uh, you know your founders right so i think that is uh you know the other thing and we've been speaking about reference checks right your founder reference checks becomes an important one right what do your founders speak of you are you actually able to you know add value to them uh are you available for them uh you know when when they want to sort of speak with you are they able to share uh you know what they are really going through right so i think how do you build that rapport with entrepreneurs and how do you then get uh, get that rapport within the community i think that's an important uh, uh you know skill to build on the on the sort of pipeline development side by the time you become uh, you know mid you've come to a mid senior role you've some sense learned how to evaluate a deal right obviously you'll end up making mistakes that uh, that you will do even as a partner but i think by by that time you've sort of figured out uh, you know how to do it your job then becomes how do you convince uh, you know your internal uh, you know ics such right because at an analyst associate level uh, you know you're not there yet in terms of pitching right but now in in some sense you are the one who is uh, while the partner will sponsor the deal but at the end of the day the partner is also relying on you uh, and how do you convince the partner how do you convince the ic the responsibility now sort of comes to you so i think the role sort of uh, you know shifts from that that sense where you you know move from just an analysis to how do you uh, you know present it right and there it's both a combination of what is happening today plus your own vision of where it will be right and that's where you need to uh, you know drive both you know internally and, and that sort of also plays a part externally what you uh, you know talk about what's going to happen in the industry and what's your thesis around it uh, but how well have you articulated that thought process internally uh, you know also matters a lot right uh, and that goes back to all that we've been saying in terms of you know developing a deep expertise and then you know sort of talking about it so so i think that that is the other uh, you know shift that uh, that you end up making uh portfolio management as i spoke about it's a lot about now starting to work with entrepreneurs so you know in any deal there's a partner that the partner is obviously involved uh but how, how i mean does the does the entrepreneur end up calling you uh instead of the partner i think that's an important uh, you know metric that you personally at least uh, should should also solve for right because that will just show for the you know the relationship that you've developed the trust that the founders have on you right wow. uh that's a very good point you know i mean are you are you on the founder's speed dial or uh, whether it's your boss right i mean that's a that's a very very smell test to figure out you know whether you're doing a good job as a you know mid to senior level professional uh, very well put sarvesh uh, my next question is to revant okay uh, what does a partner in a vc firm do revant i mean you know that's where the penny drops right so what does he do uh, or she do you know apart from uh, you know what shiba and uh, sarvesh have already mentioned 
uh, because i mean see at the end of the day everybody in a vc firm does the same job right i mean just that earlier i mean when you are younger when you are more junior it's more geometry later on it's more poetry but you know in fact the basic jd remains the same right i mean it's the same things all over again right i mean you do more of something yeah. and less and that's all yeah so um, i think uh, you know as you rightly put everyone actually does the same job our, our core thesis is obviously the the you're a indian fund manager right you are sort of managing somebody else's money you have uh, to figure out how to invest that money into uh, high yield generating assets slash founders who can actually you know multiply that money for you uh, effectively if you had to uh, take a 10 year view on that and that's the hardest thing to do right because a partner needs to take a 10 year view because once you invest into a company you have no clue whether it's going to work uh, or not like like as i said you know when when axel investor in flipkart they were selling 2500 books a day that's about it now nobody had the vision it could become a 20 billion dollar company right? uh, i think their investment case and so, so for people who don't know whenever we make an investment we write an investment case we we have an imk alumni uh, fund now and every time we decide to make an investment between the investment committee we make an investment case that what is the potential size of this business in 5 years and which is why we see that you know when you invest money at x valuation you may actually get <clears throat> some returns uh, and so all of these things you need to take a 10 year view and it's very hard to do that all the time because fundamentally there are no small wins like in entrepreneurship or being in operating or in consulting you have small wins you you get a project it's a small win you deliver a project it's a small win you get a deal it's a small win in vc unfortunately you invest and you sit tight and you brace for a uh, a bumpy ride as well and every every business goes through that trust me any any successful entrepreneur that you see today will tell you how many times they had either near death experiences or <clears throat> they were half stressed that this is not the right model or they have gone through three four pivots so fundamentally the ability to be patient is something that is uh, hard and the most needed in a in a in a venture capital firm especially for the partner second right. skill that is it has to very come from the top right it has to come from the top i mean this yeah your yeah. has to come yeah. from the uh, very very top yeah and you know the second aspect that is very unknown is uh, you need you also have uh, limited partners who invest in the fund it's a little bit of it is your money but most of the money comes from either endowment funds what we call limited partners your ability to raise capital is also what is very important for a partner like no uh, no firm would uh, promote a in person internally to partner unless they also have an ability to fundraise and give conviction to a set of people it's like mukesh bhai has gone and given given conviction to so many funds that you can put amount of money you will get returns right uh, and he's an operator as a as a vc fund partner you are essentially a fund manager who's managing somebody else's money alongside a little bit of yours as well your ability to <clears throat> convince someone to put in 10 20 30 million dollars into your fund is uh, is is also very critical and that's also what at least a uh, lot of vc fund partners spend a lot of time on that uh, shiba is in a different role today but uh, typical venture capital funds private equity funds partners would spend at least 30% of their time on fundraising or you know keeping relationships with current lps potential future lps it's no different than being uh, a ceo of a company because you're fundraising you know a lot of the times and it's a little harder here because 
as an entrepreneur, you just need one person to fund you. Here, you can't generate, you can't create a fund with one limited partner. Uh, you need, you know, a host of folks to back you. And it's not that there is a fear of missing out that if X person back you, then Y also will. So it's actually much harder, much, much harder to raise a venture capital fund, which is a key thing that a partner spends time on. So. Understood. So raising money, managing your own investors, as well as, you know, capital budgeting, you know, in your portfolio companies, you know, these are some critical tasks, you know, which come to your plate as a partner, you know, as compared to when you're, you know, just a senior investment professional. Thank you so much, Revant. And, uh, you know, before we go on to the next question, uh, you know, which we'll ask Revant first, so that, you know, Shiva has an opportunity to take a contrarian view on that. Uh, you know, I want to move to Shiva for a second. Because, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a current role, she wears a very, very interesting hat where, uh, you know, uh, as a part of a family office, uh, she also manages a fund of fund and does co-investments uh, alongside VCs. So my question, uh, you know, specifically for Shiba is, Shiba, uh, uh, you know, whatever you can tell us, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, how do you go about choosing, uh, you know, investments in VC funds? And how do you go about choosing, uh, you know, uh, co-investment opportunities? Because, you know, these are times when almost every fundraise has a co-investment opportunity, right? I mean, these are tough times, you know, for the entrepreneurial ecosystem, especially when it comes to raising money. So uh, yeah. if you could take a couple of minutes to, you know, throw some unique perspective, you know, which you can only bring in, you know, towards these aspects. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, so at the family office, uh, uh, I guess with every family office, it's really dependent on what the the you know the the family wants. Uh, what is their what are their priorities? And uh, with us, definitely, it is entrepreneurship. Uh, Indian tech ecosystem specifically is, is of great interest to us. So, so some of these things are decided by you know different LPs. And uh, the the allocation to it is usually done in a more uh, in a more structured manner um, than if you had to just make a like when when you're uh, evaluating a direct investment in a in a startup it's very different from if you're evaluating a fund because here you will be thinking of things like uh, how much do we want to allocate to this asset class and then within this asset class what do we want it to look like how many late stage VCs how many early stage how many sector focused which sectors uh, and then you're trying to cover those uh, different aspects. And uh, and in, of course, you're also, uh, since, since you have a limited allocation here, this is all high risk. So usually you, you only uh, allocate like 5 to 10% uh, of, of your entire corpus to okay. this asset class, which means that you always want to have top tier funds right so mm -hmm. so that's the uh, that's i guess there's a lot of competition between funds for uh, for for this because uh, lps would uh, probably invest in maybe two or three max uh, you know a fund in a particular space so you're competing with all the other funds in that space and you're trying every little thing uh, that can set you apart is uh, is you know is is important for you uh, and more so because uh, you know with the kind of family office that you work for, you know, I mean, it brings mm -hmm. in. I mean, money from them brings in its own credibility and domino effect. Yeah, yeah. You know, more yes, than just yeah. money without color, right? Yes, that's that's true, of course. So, so for us also, I mean, uh, we also try to be selective in that sense because we know that you know the name is also going with with the capsule. So, so we uh, prefer to keep it as a small group of uh, of uh, funds that we are comfortable working with, and uh, not not have like you know a very large portfolio. We don't want that. 
uh and then yeah i guess that is definitely one one thing that you know we would like to do to uh, uh to evaluate you know what what kind of funds uh, what what kind of operations do they have is this something is this uh, is their approach something they're comfortable with uh so that's the and of course of course returns and you know the numbers and all matter a lot uh, and and that's what everyone is always trying to do uh the challenge is for a lot of funds uh, that they haven't yet finished their fund life cycle right very few funds in india have actually seen two three uh, fund uh, cycles happen already so uh, the first few wins matter a lot to to funds because that's the only way they can showcase saying we have created so much irr we could find some new winners when the bulk of your winners are still you know not exited they're in your portfolio and then it's all book value at that point sure. uh, so so that that is also you know a few of those things that, that we take into account when when you're looking at a fund sure uh, before and, yeah. sorry uh, yeah. before we move to the next question i also want to take a side and you know speak to sarvesh uh because sarvesh uh, you know you work for a you know very unique kind of venture capital firm right i mean uh, you do impact investment and when it comes to impact investments uh, you know owen is probably the first name you know when it comes to mind you know when it comes to the vc world so uh, you know if you take a minute to shed light on uh, you know uh, what how what you do you know especially in terms of you know that kind of companies that you uh, you know want to invest in how is it different uh, from you know what uh, generic uh, you know early stage uh, vc world so couple of things i think one uh, you know any so for us it becomes a question of sector yeah. and as well as uh, you know what kind of companies do we want to fund in that sector right uh, and so even at a sector level uh, you know there is a whole sort of uh, you know strategy that goes behind in terms of what sectors are inherently impactful uh, and what sectors we don't see you know that kind of an impact right and and which is why i think Uh, first selection becomes on the sector so areas like education healthcare financial services agri uh, you know mobility all those become uh, you know sectors which are inherently impactful right uh, and that becomes a key filter for us which means like something like saas is and you know you you know we've been hearing about let's say postman for example recently right sure. uh, and there are many other you know successful examples in saas but uh, that's not a space that you know we've invested in unless and until it's a fit with one of our existing uh, you know sectors that we are sort of looking at right uh, be it education be it agri or all the others so i think those some of those sectors then uh, you know become out of strategy for us and we don't end up spending time on them so i think that becomes one filter uh the other filter uh, you know that we end up uh, looking at is at a company level what kind of an impact they're having which means both from a outcome perspective and outcome for whom right so if let's say there is a product or a service that is catering to just the top income uh, you know segment and we don't see that uh, you know scaling down segment then that is not something that we'll you know ideally go ahead with right um either there there has to be some you know demonstration of impact there at times it is direct uh, or at times it is even indirect you know where you are sort of spurring competitors uh, and the competitors end up uh, you know coming up with more affordable options right but i think either of those two at least have to be there uh, and that's the you know that's the filter uh, you know that we end up applying so for us whenever we look at uh, you know both sort of in some sense go hand in hand uh, where we evaluate companies which we expect will give us high financial returns uh but at the end of the day will also deliver high social impact 
to our uh, you know in some sense some validation of our model is you know when we map our own companies uh, you know and this was the analysis that we did last year and two independent mappings of companies that were doing well on the financial return side uh, and the other on the impact side and we saw very direct correlation uh, so for us in some sense there is also validation that we see from our portfolio as well sure sure uh uh i see that you know we got a lot of questions uh, you know uh, coming in you know one of the questions coming in is uh, how would you compare compensation you know working for a vc firm as compared to say consulting investment banking or uh, you know sales and marketing uh revanth you first so that shiba can take a contrarian view on this no no she can't i have done most of these things so i can give a better than <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. I, I don't think uh, it's an easy answer, but I think all of these are. See, there are tiers. If you join a McKinsey, which is a top-tier consulting firm, versus let's say a KPMG, which is second tier, and no offense to any of these firms, it is what it is, right? Or a third tier, etc. The compensation layers differ. Similarly, in VC, you would have uh, layers as well. Uh, so, for those who don't understand, venture capital operates in a way where there is a fund management fee that you charge. for managing the money for folks right so it's similar to mutual fund industry sure. where i'm sure most of your investors and you would be seeing there is a expenses of 1% or 1.5% 2% whatever it is right so similarly most vcs would charge a fee and that from that's how they sort of generate uh some income so that they can pay in the end it's it's a set of people managing that money right so depending on the size of the venture capital fund usually you know the mm-hmm. uh, if absolute fee may increase and therefore they may be their ability to pay higher is better uh even if size is not a constraint you would see reputed brand names you can you know layer vcs in tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 and compensations will differ but overall if you do a tier 1 consult versus tier 1 vc tier 2 versus tier 2 they are all similar i don't think you would end up uh, in fact i would say buy side would actually pay you a little lower uh in the long run with service for a fixed compensation point of view sure where i think the biggest difference comes in is the carry so sure. if uh, essentially how vcs also operate is they take a portion of the profits so let's say when flipkart pay for a i don't know roughly a 20 million investment for a, from excel gave them a 600 million outcome they charge what is called carry so let's say there was a 20% of the profits get shared between the fund managers as well as the team side right? and that's the big 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 outlier for example when lightspeed recently exited oyo they had invested about 23 million over uh 2 or 3 years and they exited 500 million now imagine there was a profit of 475 million on which 20% technically came back to lightspeed now that's a insane amount of money so i don't think fixed compensation is what you should be comparing to get into vc the reason actually what uh, sarvesh and shiva mentioned that it feels a little entrepreneur like is because i think the end outcomes if you really get good end outcomes uh your outcomes are almost commensurately similar to what an entrepreneur would sort of make in that sense right uh, there is a huge amount of money if you can wait be patient for 10 years and you can partner with the right entrepreneurs be part of their journey and make money with them rather than fixed compensation process so largely i would actually say that's the big similarity between entrepreneurship and vc everything is back ended if if you make it all of us will make money in the end if not then i mean it is what it is 
Sure. So the short message is that, uh, you know, I mean, these these are not apples to apples comparison. Uh, you know, quality makes a difference. The size of your fund makes all the difference. And uh, C, you have to be very, very patient because, uh, you know, uh, your returns, uh, you know, tend to be back-ended, right? Uh, when you've reached the, uh, towards the end of the fund life. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Shiba, do you have, uh, you know, a contrary uh, opinion to offer here or do you agree with Ravindhya? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no. The idea was just to oh, say yeah, that I'm making a contrary. So she has a contrary view because she as we go along. And she, she gives money. You also, also get to offer a contrary opinion. <laughs> she gives money to VCs and asks them that why are you charging so much fees? Don't charge me so yeah. much fees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that's uh, that's true, of course, that, you know, a lot of it comes in, in the form of carry. It's not really your direct compensation. Uh, but but yeah, this whole thing about patience, I think, is a little um, under uh, appreciated. And, and because uh, also that's a few questions that have come in, which, which we can address more in detail later, but about the whole exit piece. Uh, you don't get carry if you exit too soon. That's something you have to know when you come, when you're joining, right? So uh, that's when, of course, uh, most uh, firms do give competitive uh, compensation. So you can still join and leave and still be comfortable. That's not a problem. But the upside comes only if you can, if you're willing to stick with the firm for 10 years. And if you're sticking for 10 years, you may as well stick for 20 years. <laughs> that's the kind of... Uh, situation it is there. So I think that's that's something you have to keep in mind. Great. Uh, given that we are getting questions around, you know, exit options, uh, you know, I thought we'd, uh, you know, nail this question first, you know, be before we move on to, you know, some of the other questions, uh, you know, that we have. Uh, uh, Sarvesh, uh, uh, you know, start with you here. Uh, what do you think are potential exit options, you know, after uh, uh, you, uh, if, if you're uh, currently, you know, in the venture capital profession? You're, you're asking him where he's interviewing Kasha. I'm sorry? <laughs> you're, you're asking him where he's interviewing right now. That's a tough question. <laughs> or what am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. I think first of all, people, uh, you know, and this is, I would I would sort of break the, you know, the myth, right? Like, uh, you know, VC looks very attractive from outside, right? But when you think of it, it's a very small industry. Right. There are, a, uh, you know, there are a handful of firms and, you know, let's say once you've reached also, a, a, you know, a particular kind of firm, a particular kind of size, your your options from there on are sort of also quite limited. Right. So I think from that perspective, uh, you know, it's, so one, there are options within the industry and then there are options outside of the industry. Right. When you think of options within the industry, uh, you know, there are twofold. One, you can, you know, join a bigger, better fund. Uh, and that really depends on the quantum of, you know, the funds that you can apply and depends upon which firm that you're working on, right? Uh, if you're already working with a sizable fund, then, you know, any which way is the number of options that you will have to go uh, with, a, with a higher size fund might be might be limited, right? Uh, the other option is, you know, as you become tenured, uh, then you even start a fund of your own, right? And as we've heard about it, raising uh, capital, and that's my belief, is probably one of the hardest things that, you know, you do as, a, as an investor, right? And it could be PEVC. Uh, but really fundraising is is really challenging uh, right when you want to set up a fund but you know that's also one option uh, the other is you know like for example Rivant has done and and you know the, we see a lot uh, of that happening right now in the industry is uh, uh, is people actually moving out and into operating roles where they start uh, you know their own venture right and you know you are the advantage that comes with it is one you're well networked in the industry uh, the other is because you spend time looking at some of the spaces. So in some sense, you have a, a, a very deep thought process. You know, you know the sector quite well. 
right? Uh, and it and it and that sort of advantage for you, uh, you know, as you look to sort of start something of your own. Uh, and I would say the other option, if you want to move out of the industry, is you know you could join a large uh, you know organization uh, in a specialist uh, role, right? Where let's say you've had experience prior to joining VC, uh, either in let's say a finance, operation, marketing, then you can uh, you know join in one of those roles in a in a larger uh, company as such. Uh, so I would say those are uh, you know those are some of the exit options uh, you know that you have. Sure, sure. I, uh, I, I would sort of say that it's actually. Uh, you know, in some sense, when you know operating role. So let's say if you're working in a marketing uh, marketing function for an organization, you probably have a lot more exit options. Uh, you know, than what you actually have. Uh, you know, once you're in the team. Sure. So given that you know we are a uh, small and relatively incestuous industry, I mean, exit options are you know few and far between. You can probably yeah. move to you know some of the newer funds which are coming into India, or you know public market funds or tech growth funds, right? Uh, who want to invest a part of their capital, right? in startups you know that can be one exit option the other exit option is that you know you move to a cop dev kind of a role within companies and the third which Raymond is going to talk about now is you know the entrepreneurial route you know which so many of uh, you know venture capitalists have taken uh Raymond, you know if you'd like to share you know why you decided to make that leap and uh, you know uh, why why do so many of your peers do so as well? so i think uh uh you know the critical point is what Shiba mentioned, and I, I don't think it's a ten or twenty. If you if you stay in VC for four or five years, uh, then might as well stay for ten or fifteen because what uh, and this is for everybody. What Sarvesh and Sarvesh is kindly not mentioning or Shiba has not mentioned is after four or five years you start seeing that what your potentially profit pool would look like, and then you want to stick around and make sure you get that money right. Um, so I, I think I, I think there are very clear answers. If you either take a call early in your life that you want to be in this for the next 10 years or not. And I think I'd mentioned this before as well, but maybe it's it's repeated. But being a VC is more like being a coach, right? You are on the sidelines. You are sort of helping the players play on the pitch, right? Which is the entrepreneurs and the management team. And some people are great coaches, uh, may or may not have been great players. And there are great players who turn out to be terrible coaches as well, right? Uh, but that's from a skill set point of view. I think the difference is unlike uh, any sport, your retirement age as a player is not defined for an for entrepreneurship, right? Because the the physical mental stress is pretty high, but physically no. you may actually go uh, you know go in for longer. So for me, it was to decide whether I want to be a player or a coach. At right now, I was 35. Uh, I thought I could be a coach later as well, but I really really wanted to be a player for some you know for a while longer. And uh, and that's why I took a call to move out early because if I had given it two more years, then it's very hard to uh, leave. And not just from the monetary perspective because you see potential profit pools coming in. It's also that you start, you know, once you're getting good at being a coach, then it's difficult to go back being a player as well. So I think that's a, uh, that's a very key analogy that I use for most people. And most people decide to become an entrepreneur after being a VC. And usually it's early. Very few people come out as late as me. Uh, my co-founder also actually uh, is is ex-VC. He was with uh, Fidelity for about six years. He had the typical path, McKinsey and then uh, VC. And it's it's very hard to do both per se. So most people I see coming out of VC do it early uh, to become an entrepreneur per se. Usually analyst associate, even maybe an AVP, uh, a VP sort of thing. 
and sure. very few people at partner track or who are partners would then end up being an entrepreneur yeah, because they have been doing that's been only a couple i've seen only a couple yeah. you know over the last 10 odd years yeah. or so who are partners in vc firms and have gone on to become entrepreneurs but yeah. i love what it raven you know i mean i didn't want to be a coach i wanted to be a player and uh, you know i'd beg to differ with you when it comes to uh, you know uh, your opinion that you know 35 is uh, you know way too late to become an entrepreneur uh, you know it makes me feel old you know i started out at 35 <laughs> and you know i'd like to believe that you know i'm not too old as yet uh, uh shiva it's time for you to contradict raven on this one now <laughs> yeah no so so definitely i mean it's uh, there are you know very limited options that's true and another thing is also that you know uh, since the firms are so small uh, there isn't much opportunity to move within a firm so if you're comparing to other industries because quite often you know if you're, if you're working for a large firm you can also move between roles and learn different things and all of that which is not an option in in uh, vc so uh, that's also one thing to keep in mind um and uh, the the of course the only track is the partner track basically within within a vc firm i'm talking about options within the firm uh but yeah moving out i mean uh, i of course moved to this family or to the family office where i'm doing a very similar role again so it was a good thing for me to take over the same skills uh, that that's the uh, you know the, that was the most logical path for me but out of this yeah i would say that is uh, i don't really have you know much i guess much to differ with from what uh, what they've already said that you know the the different parts that are out there understood let, let, let me myself give the most contrary opinion very very <laughs> few it is very few. i don't know why this question comes up why would you leave me contradicting yourself no i'm not saying the question i'm contradicting the bloody question there are there are like 200 people in a 1.3 billion country so so low vc mein hai koi chhodega kyu matlab kitna mushkil se to ghuste ho tum mat chhodo yaar agar ghus jao to wahi baithe raho mat yeah he just felt like you know he wants to contradict someone it's time for even to buy us a drink now now uh, you know another insight uh, you know that i had to share uh, you know uh, with all with all the you know young ladies and gentlemen who are watching us is that uh, you know if you want to be associated with a startup ecosystem as an investor uh, you know most people believe that you know being a venture capitalist is the only way uh but uh, you know given the fact that you know i mean our ecosystem has grown so much over the last few years uh you know uh, sort of say uh, you know uh, contradictory or counterintuitive as it may sound i think the options outside venture capital uh, you know are uh, you know uh, a lot many more you know when it comes to becoming an investor in the startup ecosystem right i mean starting with uh, you know becoming an angel investor right uh, the, that's a that's a flag that uh, you know revant and his team is you know holding high you know when it comes to you know our community's venture for, uh, angel investment fund uh, so many of us are you know angel investors in our own capacity uh, you know you can get into organized uh, you know angel groups like you know india angel network or bombay angels right managing the network and i've seen a lot of people moving to vc or uh, you know growth stage investments in tech startups you know from those kind of roles i've seen you know uh, so many people get into uh, venture debt funds right uh, which is again you know a fairly large pool uh, in india right now and you know growing with every passing uh, you know month and year i've seen so many people uh, you know working in family offices and now becoming a more and more important part of uh, you know the venture capital uh, ecosystem over a period of time uh more and more private equity funds right i mean more uh, including the global ones as well as local ones you know they want to uh, you know invest in uh, growth stage startups now right 
So, uh, you know, let's say if you're if you're working for a private equity fund until now looking at uh, IT services or BPO companies or, uh, you know, uh, large consumer companies, uh, uh, you know, the pool of, uh, you know, fast growing or, you know, re reasonably mature uh, consumer or consumer tech startups, again, you know, come under your radar. So, uh, you know, it would be, uh, you know, in my opinion, it would be wrong to say that, you know, being a venture capitalist is the only way you can invest, uh, you know, money in uh, startups. So, uh, you know, that was an aside, uh, you know, one quick question that I have to ask, you know, uh, uh, all of you is, uh, you know, uh, what do you think, uh, you know, uh, are the high points and low points of, you know, being a venture capitalist in two lines? Uh, uh, let's first go to Revant and then to Shiba so that uh, Sarvesh is an opportunity to give a you know uh, contribute this time out. Uh, tough question, huh? Pleasure. Uh, so I'll talk about the low point first. The low point, at least for me, having been an operator before, is not to have the ability to help when things don't really go well. It's see, in the end, you're managing someone else's money, so you have to take objective decisions. It's sure. not that if a company is not like look at the current COVID situation, right? It's just hard for funds to uh, put more money in a company just because you know revenues are not there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so it's hard to see that, and I, I think it's 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 very difficult for an entrepreneur to also relate to the fact that in the end the fund manager is managing uh, money objectively, right? It, it, it's not an emotional decision all the time, and so the hardest thing for me is to see when you are not able to help an entrepreneur in their uh, in their dire needs sometimes, right? Money is running out. Uh, there's nothing else that you can do. That happens a lot. I think the biggest thing that people have not seen is how many startups fail. The mortality rate after seed is 80% in India. Seed investment. Sure. So you, you must have sure. raised the million dollars. Seed is the short message here is, Revant, that you know, uh, when, when you have to make a choice between your fiduciary duties and empathy with the founder, you know, I mean, it puts yeah. you in a tough spot and it's never easy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... that's. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, a lot of highs that, at least for me, again, uh, because I worked at Seed, I worked with a lot of young founders in very young stage companies where every month something new happened and you know it, it also you sort of ride the the entrepreneurial wave or ride the entire startup journey through their eyes and sure. i think for the high honest high for me was when we problem solve together right whatever the problem uh when an entrepreneur calls you and says this is a problem i'm facing let's solve this together or what's your thought on how do i sort of go about this i i for me each of those conversations is actually a high sure sarvesh uh, sorry, rather Shiva. On the, the highs and lows, right? So um, low point, actually, I would say, in fact, is a little even earlier than what, what uh, Raven said. It's um, like I mentioned, you, you see 100 and you invest in one. So quite often for me, it's like, you know, that you're telling 99 people no. <laughs> which itself can be kind of, you know, uh, I, I think it kind of also affects people after a while. When you look at VCs, they generally enter conversations on a slightly pessimistic note. And uh, usually the attitude is, you know, convince me I'm wrong kind of a thing. And that's because of this, because you know that, uh, you know, there's a 99% probability that this idea will not fly. Um, so I think that is kind of a slight uh, low point and uh, would, would also explain why VCs are a little more cynical in, in general. Uh, high not, point not definitely... 
So Revan had a stampede Sorry? outside his house, you know, when he was looking to raise his first check. Yeah, yeah not, not, not of course. <laughs> yeah, not if you're Ravens, but yeah. <laughs> but then there are 99 non-Ravens out there. So, yeah. uh, so then the thing, high points are definitely, I think, to, when you come across some really, really interesting idea, really, really enthusiastic founders who want to build, you know, to change the world. Uh, that is an enthusiasm that that is very hard to find anywhere else. I think that kind of you know uh, to to meet people like that on a day to day kind of thing and to help make that vision possible. I think that uh, that that feeling is is something else entirely. Great, Sarvesh. These both of them are wrong. Tell us why. Actually, not really. So I would I would do a plus one on one what Raven said. I think one of the Sort of the bigger lows is, you know, when you find a company and let's say are unable to fundraise, and that's the nature of the beast that we enter in, where you you know enter in early and then the company has to raise follow-on capital, right? Uh, and it could be for a variety of reasons. One company specific could be market specific. I think if you see uh, situations where your companies are running out of cash, I think it probably are the are the worst moments. Uh, you know, during the day, right? When you think of it, and and what are your sort of options, right? Right. I think the other law really is, you know, in the journey itself. There are times when you're working with founders, when there are, so, and because it's probably you end up taking an objective view, you know, you're outside of it in some sense. You know, there are things where you know you would want a particular thing to happen, and you know that's how it should be probably working, but that's not how the entrepreneur thinks, right? Now there are there are cases where it works out well, and you are you are probably wrong. Uh, but there are times where uh, you know it doesn't work out that way, right? And probably what you had imagined was actually uh, how it should have played out. And there have been cases where it has played out where you've given a certain advice and people have, after one year, said that okay, what you said made sense, and we're doing that now. I think as a as an investor, that's the, that's a big frustration because in some sense you're one level removed, uh, you know, from the company, and there is only so much you can guide and you can nudge. But ultimately, it's the founder who has to take that call. Uh, and when you see they are, you know, they're not going in the right direction. I think that's a, and that's a very frustrating point, right? Because you see it's not going to work out. Uh, so I think those are the, you know, those are the lows. I think from a high point of view, there are two, and which are in some sense the extreme ends. Uh, you know, the one extreme is when you've done, when the company has done well and you see an exit. Uh, you know, uh, and I think that's a, that's ultimately what you know you are you are it for, right? The end outcome. Uh, but the other is really at the very beginning, right? So, you know, in some sense, we enter companies at a stage with set a business plan or very, very early stage, right? Uh, and as, you know, Revan was saying, you end up working with the company. And when you actually launch the product and you start seeing customers coming and, you know, talking nice things about it, actually paying, renewing, I think that feeling of seeing that company moving from an idea stage to actually generating revenues. Uh, yeah, when I think people in a that, circle start talking about your investing company and you say, oh man, I made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. So then you actually, there's validation of what you, you know, were wanting to do, right? Your whole hypothesis. So, so I think that definitely the biggest. Great. Great. I, I, I let Sarvesh bask in that understanding that he's chosen the right company. As I said, it's the other way around. Entrepreneurs choose VCs. <laughs> so I got chosen. That is the high point. <laughs> Revan, you're not supposed to have the last word on Revan, this. you still have to deliver on revenue, na? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, before we move on to our closing remarks, given that we're running short of time, uh, you know, at, uh, it's time we take a few more audience questions. Uh, you know, one of the questions that has come our way is that, you know, if you're in a business school, you know, how can you, you know, uh, prep 
towards a you know career in vc you know my short advice would be you know uh, try and uh, you know develop uh, you know polymath skills uh, you know try and uh, sort of say you know get to know as many as people as possible you know in an authentic way i won't want to use the word uh, networking here right uh, being sensitive to you know what uh, you know uh, revanth has suggested right i mean if you're able to uh, show and demonstrate that you're able to build authentic relationships especially with people who matter you know that counts for a lot and apart from that you know polymath skills of uh, you know being able be, be, be being able to you know uh, be good at you know uh, judging businesses you know how they'll pan out over uh, peers you know being able to understand business models and having you know that genuine curiosity you know uh, makes a big difference uh, you know especially if uh, you know uh, you're not working for a great brand uh, you know before you make a transition to vc as one of the other questions as one of the other questions were uh some of the other questions uh, you know that have uh, come our way uh, include uh, you know how can uh, you know someone gain credibility with founders uh, this is from shweta Uh, as analyst associate, given that uh, you know they've got lower experience in the industry, especially for people who haven't worked with big brands. So you know, see the answer here. Uh, you know, at least from my end, would be that uh, uh, you know many of the founders that you end up working with are a similar vintage as uh, as uh, as you, right? And uh, you know whether you're able to present their case credibly, you know, uh, within their system, whether you are able to give them you know transparent feedback as a deal is moving. within your system you know makes a lot of difference so here uh, you know whether you work for a large vc brand or not doesn't make a difference you know your authenticity your credibility with the founders rests on you know what you are able to deliver for them uh, you know if it's not growing if a deal is not going through within your system you know if you are able to let them know when in advance that listen guys this is not going to happen and why right that counts for a lot more than you know having them believe that you know they may get money and they don't right so you know authenticity and genuine relationships you know count for a lot more in this business than you know it's been uh, given credit for and that's a sentiment that uh, that's also come out you know repeatedly in the conversations uh, you know that we've had uh actually uh, kashyap does just just wanted to add one line there uh on you know how you can add value uh, saying on to founders and uh, one advantage that vcs have is uh, that you have a macro view whereas a founder has knows his or her business really well and is laser focused on that uh the vc can give them a view of what's happening in the market because that's what the vcs look at and i think that is very important actually for founders to know because quite often they end up going too far down the road and they don't realize uh, uh that you know someone else has done this and this didn't work out and i think that's where an associate or an analyst can be that that sounding board uh and that person who can give that insight and and, and what from what i've seen founders do appreciate that uh, and more that kind of uh, tactical as well right uh, it can be very tactical yeah. as well right? giving them what's happening in the competitive landscape right i mean yes, sharing yeah, yeah. with your companies right i mean it may not be yeah, you know yeah. say an advice yeah. coming uh, you know from a wise sage perspective right it can be something yeah, very very definitely yeah 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 these kinds of ad channels are working and this is uh, that that kind of the, you know this is a new trend that we're seeing but of course you have to be very careful to not give out any secrets or you know not disclose critical information on particular uh, companies because you come across a lot of that but yeah you can give a lot of very valuable practical advice to founders also which they may have missed great i think one thing also which i've seen working is if you can pick up one skill that you know you're good at 
right might be because of your own skill sets or something that you worked you know in the past in terms of the industry i think that founders appreciate a lot right so for example for people who are well networked uh, if you can help companies in hiring you know they really appreciate it uh, if let's say you've come from a p background or come from an ib background you've probably gone very deep into numbers uh, and that's not something typically you will see happening in a vc context but if you can actually you know go out and demonstrate that in you know with the founder that you're working with uh, you know then they appreciate that so i think if you can identify that one skill which you know you can say that you are really good at uh, and then demonstrate it across companies i think that also helps a lot because then people know that for this they have to actually come to you great uh, no uh, you know thank you so much uh, you know to the audience for asking all these questions and uh, you know now uh, we'd like to move to our closing remarks uh, uh uh you know which is that you know how do we see this industry uh, you know uh, going forward say you know within the next uh, you know 2 to 5 odd years uh my sense would be that you know what's important i mean a obviously you know uh, given that you know uh, we are not a particularly rich country right we don't have too much discretionary income uh but given that i think you know our venture capital industry uh you know in that sense has overachieved right i mean if uh, the stat that i read is right uh, last year uh, you know the investment that flew into startups was higher than what flew into publicly listed companies in india you know which which says a lot and uh, we today we have uh, you know pools of capital that are a lot uh, you know deeper and varied you know than the indian ecosystem has ever had obviously we've got a, a lot more to do before you know we become a uh, you know china or a us but you know as compared to say in indonesia or europe i think uh, you know we are right there when it comes to our entrepreneurial ecosystem or uh, you know the venture capital ecosystem i think the two big challenges that you know we need to nail is that you know can we show you know a slew of uh, uh big bang exits right can we have you know say a dozen or more you know listed companies in india uh, you know at a few billion dollars right i mean which is like uh, so to say you know uh, the height of uh, achievement of the industry so to say and the other is that you know can we build out companies or support companies you know that have a potential to go global uh, you know in the right earnest like you know companies from uh, you know probably us have done or even israel have done for that matter so you know would love to hear from you as to you know uh, uh, what do you believe is the future of the venture capital industry in india and you know what are the potential challenges that it may face in uh, you know two lines each um okay so should i start <laughs> okay uh, so yeah definitely this uh, what you were talking about going international right and i am we seeing this already uh, quite uh, quite a lot of several indian uh, indian founded vc firms are actually now looking at other uh, regions they are investing in the southeast asia they are investing in europe and all of that and, and i think that's that's very interesting to see uh, because the the startups that we've been investing have already been international i mean they start in india but they sell around the world so i think that's a very very interesting trend that uh, will definitely continue and i think that's uh, something to look forward to Uh, sure. and the other yes the the other thing is also entrepreneur confidence when i joined uh, the industry it wasn't fashionable to be an entrepreneur uh, people were still talking about how you know uh, the entrepreneurs face so much uh, uh, opposition from their families saying you know get a real job kind of a thing and that has changed so dramatically and and we have the initial few entrepreneurs to thank for that and everyday entrepreneurs are setting a higher bar um so i think going forward we will see more and more audacious uh, 
ventures happen you know starting from india that's sure that's a very critical point that you know in the last 10 years you know if nothing else you know the venture capital and you know entrepreneurial ecosystem you know one culture you know that they've really built up is the culture of you know paying it forward right yeah. Uh, yeah. over the last 10 years we've had you know founders you know who've seen exits or uh, you know senior professionals who've made money through esops or vcs right i mean the the spirit of paying it forward is uh, you know sort of say a lot more evident you know in our industry than so many so many other industries right and uh, it's something you know uh, that's that's so innate right to this industry the world over right and we are uh, you know uh, sort of say you know seeing uh, the green shoots of that you know in the indian industry that that that's a fantastic yeah. point you uh, sarvesh uh, you know closing comments from you i think the one you know big change when you think of it what has happened over the last few years is a lot more capital at least on the early stage right uh, and the reason why that has happened is because uh, you know there i mean there's been some examples of success stories coming out right i think where there is still a dearth is on the growth uh, you know capital side uh, and i think that will happen when uh, you know we actually see companies delivering on the promise you know that they are uh, stating when they are sort of starting out right uh, and i think that's one thing i would love to see changing is how do we deliver on that promise which will you know for a growth stage capital it means that uh, you know there is an inherent business model which is profitable which is scalable right and how how do we demonstrate that in our companies i think that's uh, I mean, I take it as a as a challenge, uh, you know, for my companies to sort of you know do it right, where uh, where it in some sense you can uh, you know there is inbound interest from growth capital investors, right? Uh, and I think that's that will happen. I think one where you are differentiated, right? Uh, and secondly, you are executing well. Uh, and I think those are uh, you know very commonly used terms, but you know when I think of it, I don't think so. A lot of times we appreciate how you know what that actually means. right uh, and and how and how that is really tough right one is to standing out from the crowd of companies that are already there uh, and how do you execute well and i think those are two things that uh, you know differentiates a good company versus the others um and uh, and at least from my vantage point i think uh, that's something that i uh, you know aim for over the coming year or what i would uh, you know want to do or would want my companies to do great uh, closing remarks from uh, you know the man who always has the last remark so uh, so i actually i really like the the fact that you mentioned about paying it forward right kashyap if i if i look at uh, my own career over the last 12 years a, a lot of it is because like why is paying it forward you know it, it really stuck home when you said that this industry operates a lot on paying it forward right and inherently why is that so why is it that it's not common between some other industries it's because the singular reason for success is a lot of people that surround you right you talk to any founder and they'll tell you that there were not uh, one or two investors but five mentors 10 of their 10 of his or her first hires uh, and their entire management team that really contributed to the success of the company like the joy i see from my ex supervisors and kashyap you are one of them uh when i started out that what help do you need the first question is what do you need right and i fundamentally realized that it's a very uh differently enabled ecosystem because success uh 
requires a lot of contribution from a from a huge number of folks and once you've achieved some success you realize that it was because of not just your own ability uh and execution prowess uh, and again it may seem a little contradictory to what surveys mentioned because there there goes a lot of a lot of serendipitous things will happen for you to succeed in life especially in the industry right whether it is a connection i remember our series b in my previous uh, operating role was because the partner at a venture debt fund introduced us and convinced uh, sort of gave some reassurance that these are great people to work with and honestly i'll go back to my first point this industry operates on one singular premise uh you have to find the best founders and you need to enjoy your relationship over the next 10 years because it takes 10 15 years to really see success so you work with people who you can really enjoy working and therefore the references come in therefore the success sort of comes in and it's a shared success and once you see that you realize that if you want others to succeed you need to invest time and effort be kind and sort of that that's where the paid forward uh, aspect comes in a lot so the single reason why the startup ecosystem is growing the vc ecosystem is now growing is yes capital is available because but capital is available because the ecosystem is maturing right because there are 1000 people who were cxos in a lot of startups that have succeeded who are now paying it forward either being being entrepreneurs or essentially uh investing in other angel investing helping them along or just mentoring right i would spend at least and i'm sure this happens a lot with you kashyap shiba sarvesh as well entrepreneurs would just reach out asking for help right and you need to give time to them because that's how you know one half an hour conversation here or there may really help uh them somewhere in life and they may succeed and you'll feel good about it right because that's happened to you as well and i think that's one singular reason why i think this ecosystem will only grow uh it will grow in a more positive footing than a, than a more negative one because the fundamental premise for the growth of this industry is in paying it forward and being kind and sort of building and growing that network you may call it incestuous you may call it paying it forward but there is something that really binds all of us together which is shared success great revan thank you so much you know for uh, you know those uh, closing remarks uh, you know uh, as we end you know today's discussion i'd really like to thank uh, the three of you you know i mean the bright young professionals you know who uh, uh, you know shared uh, you know their time and uh, learnings with us uh, you know thank you so much revan thank you so much shiva and uh, sarvesh uh, you know for sharing your learnings uh, you know with all of us uh, take care goodbye god bless thanks जिंदगी की सांस चलती है बादलों में क्लास चलती है हे गाइस लिसन टू द आई एम कोरिकोड एंथम बादलों में क्लास ऑन YouTube Spotify Apple Music हंगामा एंड मेनी मोर स्ट्रीमिंग प्लेटफॉर्म्स